Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Broadcasting live on the Mixed Radio Network. You're listening to Casey Ryan on the cutting room floor. Casey, the floor is yours. All right, how you doing, everybody? Casey Ryan, right back with you on the cutting room floor. A little podcast that I started to showcase indie and not sometimes not so indie entertainers uh, from all walks. I like to say, if you've got a story to tell or a project to sell, uh, I want to hear from you. Uh, the easiest way to get a hold of me is on Twitter. You can ask anybody that knows me. I'm on there uh, all the time, at Cutting Room MRB, or you can like me on Facebook, uh, at facebook.com uh, forward slash Cutting Room MRB. Uh, quick little thank you, as we do at the top of the show, to The Wolf, who acts as my announcer. You can listen to him and Susan. Uh, right here on the Mix Radio Network from 8 o'clock until midnight on the Live from the Morgue show. Uh, and Michael Cardillo, who uh, acts as my, uh, he composed my little jingle for me there. I always appreciate that. Uh, to Lori Smith, uh, to Lori Smith, Lori George, excuse me. Jeez, I'm going to hear about that. Lori George, who is a good friend of mine. I don't know, Lori Smith. Uh, who, <laughs> who acted as the, uh, the catalyst uh, uh, to introduce me to Robert. Uh, also to Voice Nagoka, who is a good friend of mine in the real world, as they say. Uh, he's a music producer. Uh, and I wanted to make sure that I, I came up with some questions that, that were from a position of knowledge. And, and Voice has produced a lot of his own stuff, and he's done a lot of production work for other people, too. So uh, I asked him for this episode specifically to help me with, uh, with a couple of questions. So this is going to be fun. Uh, my guest today Great. is, of course, Robert uh, L. Smith out of New York, uh, an Oscar-winning and uh, Emmy and Grammy-nominated producer and engineer. And I was kidding on the first uh, half of the show. I actually had an <laughs> Emmy winner and an Oscar winner on the same episode. And because uh, Robert has won an Academy Award, I've had somebody on that's won all four of them. So I've got my own little EGOT, an Emmy, uh, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony. So... Uh, his resume reads like a who's who of modern music. Uh, a shorter list would be the people that he hasn't worked with, but but uh, you know, just to give you a, a, an idea of the caliber here, uh, we're talking David Bowie, we're talking U2, we're talking Billy Joel, we're talking Aerosmith, Lady Gaga, you name it. The list goes on and on. Uh, he's got 25 plus years in the uh, in the business, and also worked on a uh, an Academy Award winning documentary called 20 Feet from Stardom, which I actually saw. Great film. And uh, I'm proud to introduce him, uh, Robert L. Smith on the cutting room floor. Robert, how are Thanks, you? Thanks, Casey. Thanks. Glad to be here. So uh, the first question I always have for everybody is, did I get all of your bio right, or is that close enough? Uh, yeah, for the most part. Uh, there, was, there was a Grammy win, actually, for the 20 feet as well. So, so it's two wins and a, and, and a nomination. <laughs> oh, okay. No, I, I, I didn't realize that you actually won a Grammy for that. Yeah, too. yeah. So, yeah, I won for Best Music Film. What was the what what was the category for for the the Oscar then? Uh, the Oscar was for what do they call it? It's uh, oh, it's a best music film actually. Is and, and um best um I'm sorry, best music film for a Grammy and best documentary for Oscar. Okay, uh, yeah, okay, and and uh, you were a producer on the film too, right? No, I mean I was I was in the I worked on the music with uh, Darlene Love and Lisa Fisher. So it's like I'm actually the opening scene is me with the, at the at the console. 
as we're getting ready to record the song Lean On Me, which ended up being the end credits song as well. Oh, okay, great, great. So that was really fun. So, so uh, you have your own production company, right? Defy Record? Correct. Mm-hmm. So, so how did you get started in, in terms of, of building that up as a practice? Uh, it was actually a, quite a long road to it because I, um, at that point I had been in, in the business in various um, scenarios for a while. And, um, and I was in this, at, the, at that time I was a, a, a partner in a multimedia company and we did uh, music. We did music for commercials. We did films. We did, you know, concert DVDs. You know, there was like a, a Lenny Kravitz concert DVD we did, like uh, uh, some videos for the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs and Fall Out Boy and that sort of thing. So, um, so the, though, the, you know, the commercial side of it was um, a big part of it as well. And it's just kind of, I don't know, I, I always, I was always going back to the music and sometimes the commercials don't really care so much about the music. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a difficult thing to walk away from. It wasn't my first love for sure. <laughs> so, so once I um, kind of split off from that and I, I really, really concentrated on sort of the branding of my newest venture, um, which at this point is, uh, was it eight years in. And um, it really worked into just in the sense, you know, instead of, cause there's so many guys that came out of recording studios and they, you know, just didn't really have anything, you know, it's like, okay, you did this or you did this or you did this, but there was nothing, no like kind of, again, branding, you know, attachment to anything. So I really kind of concentrated on that and um, it's worked out really well as far as, you know, I mean, there are people that think, you know, think my last name is defy which is awesome so it's uh, so it's to a point now where it's you know people identify as a brand and as a sort of a way of doing things in the music industry and i couldn't be happier about that so it's been a very very focused and focused uh endeavor for sure i'm gonna ask you an ignorant question but but mm-hmm. um somebody from the outside right mm-hmm. yeah um in layman's terms what's the difference between sound mixing and sound editing uh sound editing is cutting it cut you know um is it was sort of the assembly of and sound mixing is the balancing of okay so in terms of of you know the the levels and and quality of of certain tones or correct okay all right like a great example would be like uh like you know if you do like a music video oftentimes you'll have you know up to between four to six hours of footage for a three minute song so what you do is you actually, from those four to six hours, you'll actually grab all the best bits and assemble it into a three-minute piece, which is ultimately the music video. So that's so in that case, it would be you know pulling from all those all that that um, material and, and distilling it down to that three-minute piece, and then then you'd mix it after that. So it's like now that we have all of our content there, now let's get a balance so it sounds right and you know, with your effects and, you know, it's tones and levels and you name it. So if that makes it any. No, that, that, absolutely. Uh, no, that, that, a lot clearer, a lot clearer yeah. now, right? Because, <laughs> I mean, you hear these terms thrown around, you know, when you're watching oh, award shows and stuff me. like that, and it's, it goes right over people's heads. and you, you it, know, it, it really right. does. And that's a big, big part of what I end up, I'm definitely doing a lot of education these days of people that want to hire you for one thing. It's like, well, actually, you need to do these four steps before you even get to that. <laughs> so. No, you and I had chatted about this briefly, but has uh, have technology advancements made it that much harder for you? Um, no, not harder. It's just that it's it's sort of um, 
it's sort of, you know, it's 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 now like kind of every, you know, anybody can really, you know, kind of, kind of work in a world that used to just be for professionals. So it was, right. Right. so there's like this really incredibly wide gap between those that just bought the software at Guitar Center and those that you know have been doing this for decades. <laughs> so so it's uh you know and there's a it's you know you have to be really uh conscious of that. You know, you can't just assume everybody's going to know exactly what you're talking about. So um so you know which is fine, you know, it's just it's just part of the process now, but it's um it's definitely a big part of the process for sure. Uh now I'll ask you this um and I'll, I'll give uh, voice my my buddy there the credit for yeah. this, but but as a as a producer, right? Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. have the challenge of bringing yourself into music, uh, mm-hmm. but also channeling the you know the persona of the artist and, and staying true to to their vision because they're your sure. client, right? Yeah. Um, what is that process like, and and how fine a line is that for you to walk? Uh, it varies between you know, every project, I mean, everyone has a different level, everyone, you know, and it's, uh, you know, the biggest part of being a, um, a producer is being basically like somebody's therapist. I mean, I mean, I even have the couch, you know, and there's so many sessions that start out with, you know, just seeing how that person is that day, because that's going to affect what, what our work is going to be, you know, later on, you know, if they, if they had an argument that morning or something like that, it's like, okay, well, maybe this vocal isn't going to go the way I was thinking it was going to go because now they're in this other headspace. So it's really, it's really about, you know, human nature and working with people that way. It's in that, on that side of it, it has nothing to do with the technology at all. And, um, and that's, that's actually a really interesting part of it. Cause you know, the, unfortunately the word producer has been, you know, grabbed and kind of turned into all these things that, you know, far, far from what the, the traditional um, definition was. So it's, uh, you know, like just because you made a beat, you know, doesn't, you know, and you say you're a producer, it's like, but then when you're in front of a vocalist, do you know what to tell them? <laughs> you know, it's like, or do you know how, what, like, oh, you know, how to kind of guide, you know, it's, it's, it, there's a, there's so much to it um, that it's, uh, you know, for each project, it's, you have to be, you kind of have to come in fresh in a way. You can't just kind of come in with your standard template and be like, okay, this is going to go exactly like this. You have to really kind of like read the room and see what the vibe is, you know, and work from that. You know, that's actually the biggest part of it. I've seen many sessions either go famously well or horribly wrong if, uh, you know, if you just kind of weren't paying attention. So I, I, I got to imagine too, that, that I mean, that must be to a certain extent hard to, to, uh, to maintain a, a healthy level of objectivity at times. Right. When, when you're, um, you're... Uh, no, no, I don't know. I haven't really found that. I mean, um, I mean, I, you know, I'm always working on many things, you know, like I'm very good at, uh, sort of multitasking. So it's like, so I'm, you know, I can kind of compartmentalize pretty well from project to project and, and pretty and focus, get into focus really quickly about what, you know, what needs to be done that day, you know? So yeah, so I'm actually, I actually haven't had that problem really. So not sure why. <laughs> uh, well, okay. I'll, I'll put it to you another way then. Um, have you ever approached a project that, that kind of, not necessarily negatively, and I'll, I'll pick my words carefully mm-hmm. here, that, that, that mm-hmm. kind of took you to a space that you weren't necessarily either familiar with or even comfortable with? 
Uh, not in a really long time. I mean, I turned down a lot of stuff. I mean, I turn it, you know, and my reason for turning it down is that, you know, I don't know what I could do. You know, I don't know if what I do really will benefit what you are looking for. You know, it's like, if it's something that I know that like, um, I'm not going to figure out or get, it's like, I, I won't waste their time or my time attempting to, you know? Um, you know, I mean, I, there, early on, I would take on a lot of stuff, but you know, some worked well, some didn't work so well, but you know, it's just, you know, you learn from experience and you learn what your strengths are and your weaknesses. So you try and sort of call it down to, you know, well, this is what I can do for you. <laughs> so, so but, where, where, where do you, I, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you a direct question. Then where do you think your strengths lie in, ter- in terms of, uh, as a producer, what, what, what do you pride yourself on? Um, I come at it very much as a fan. Um, you okay. know, in that like, right. I'm the guy in the audience that's gonna, you know, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be looking for certain things, you know, there's going to be certain things I don't care about and there's going to be things I do care about. And, um, so I come at it from a fan and I come at it from infinite patience in that like, Oh, okay. You want to try version 30 of, you know, that and see what, you know, see how that works for you. It's like, sure. Let's, you know, it's, as long as it's going to make the song better, I'm totally there. I, I will, I will argue that for days. You know, there was, I've been in situations where someone says, well, you know, why don't we do this? It's like, I'm happy to do that, but you have to prove to me why it'll make the song better. If it doesn't, if it's just like an ego thing, you know, I, you know, let's not do that. <laughs> so, so I can get in some pretty, not heated arguments, but like, you know, I mean, I, I come at it like, you know, really respectful of the music and we'll do pretty much anything to get the song as great as we can, you know, within our means. Well, I mean, when you're at that level, I mean, you're going to be having those conversations, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. you're dealing with a lot of strong personality types. I mean, Absolutely. You know, and, and the other side, you know, strong personalities and, the, and then the other one, the, then the other artist who actually has no, you know, has no confidence and, you know, you have to do a lot of hand-holding and guide them. You know, I mean, we've all done sessions where, you know, some someone comes in and there's like you know they're surrounded by professionals and then and they you can just see them caving you can just see them like not you know they're trying to <laughs> trying to stay there that's when you have to pull them out in the hallway and and just kind of like all right let's have a chat here for a minute let's let's put some things in into perspective here you know you really yeah, have I, to I, you know, like I, I mean like you said you know you're you're part you know, tech expert and your part therapist. Oh yeah. Well, you know, then, and, and the way those two, the, to me, the way those two tie together is that my job is, is to make the, the equipment to you as the artist completely disappear. You know, like if you're, if you're stressing about wh- what that knob is doing to a sound and you're singing, we have a problem because you shouldn't be, you shouldn't, that shouldn't be anything you're concerned about at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, it really is just like, you know what? let's just make this process as smooth as we can, you know, cause there's some, the, the thing about the process is it's so unnatural that I really go to great lengths to make it natural, you know, great unnatural in the sense of, you know, someone who writes a song, they don't sit in their living room with headphones on listening to their voice in extremely fine detail on how these words are flowing, you know, into a microphone. They're just sitting on their couch, watching TV, strumming away at a guitar. So, I mean, I've even done that where it's like, all right, let's bring in the couch. Let's bring, you know, let's bring in the, we'll bring in the TV, but we'll put it on mute and then we'll record the vocals that way. I've even tried that, you know, so. 
So I'm, I'm going to paint a picture for you here, and I, I'd like you to play along with me a little bit. All right? Sure. Sure. You're off by yourself driving in your car, right? Mm-hmm. You got the radio on, and one of the hit songs that you've worked on all of a sudden pops up on the radio. Mm-hmm. What goes through your head? Uh... First of all, let me get out of traffic because <laughs> 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 this could be a problem. And then you just, you just, I mean, you know, you geek out like, like you feel like you're a teenager. You know, you're just like, you know, th- there's never that never gets old where it's just like, oh my god, and your mind races to when you were working on it and how it was going. And oftentimes with songs like that, you actually know right from the beginning that it's going to be a hit. So. So it's, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's incredible. I mean, I've been in stores, I've been in restaurants, you know, movies, wherever. And it's just, it's, it never, it never gets old. Cause it's just like, wow. You never, you never, you never lose the, uh, the finger down your spine, right? Yeah. Never, 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 you know, cause it's all, you know, cause you know, that's why I got into it anyway, you know, being that little kid and just being, you know, when, when I would hear a song on the radio that I would love, you just, just everything stops, you know, and just like your full attention. And it's incredible to me that that can still happen. You know, despite, you know, doing this for a living and, um, you know, I mean, it's the, the fascination is still there. It hasn't it hasn't gone away. No. And you know what? For for your sake, I, I honestly and I, and I can hear, you know, it in your voice. But I, I hope honestly, I, I really hope you never lose that. It, it, to, to me, that kind of enthusiasm is contagious. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm like I'm the guy jumping up and down, you know, where it's like, oh, my God, that's me. You know, <laughs> Don't, you know? <laughs> and it's and that's what you need. You know, I mean you got to be a cheerleader with this stuff. I mean, I was just doing a project with an artist who um, I've worked with for many years and uh, brought in the band that she was singing along and she just sounded amazing. And pretty much my whole job that day was just sitting on the sidelines, like giving like nods of encouragement or, you know, fist pumps or whatever, you know, that was, you know, that was the main thing. And for, for them, it ended up being one of their best sessions ever because they just felt completely, um, you know, supported, you know, and it was like, cause they're, you know, they're putting themselves out there and, you know, it can be sometimes scary. So it's actually, if it's something that you haven't really sung in public that much yet. So it was, you know, so that ended up being my job that day. And again, it evolves for every situation. I mean, you know, where I'll start as a therapist or like, okay, now, okay, what are we eating? All right, let's uh, go for a walk. Let's, you know, it's like, it's just all these different things. You know, it's never about the gear, which is a, you know, if you read any publication, that's all they really talk about is the gear. And it's like, yeah, it's actually not really it at all. <laughs> no, and, and I mean, I, I'm, to me, I get lost in technical details, too. And I, I mean, I, the last thing I wanted to, to do is to ask, you know, when I get people who are making films or whatever, I mean, I'm, uh, you know, I don't really, I'm not, as a fan of this stuff, I'm not really interested in what kind of camera the things are shot on. I want to hear about, you know, the stories about how the things get made. Yeah, <laughs> right? sure. Absolutely. Uh, so to, to put things on the other side of the fence, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, your time is valuable. The artist's time is valuable. Um, what are some of the kinds of things that a client of yours can do in preparation for a session to optimize the time that you guys have together? Oh yeah, there's there's a ton. I mean, there's a lot of homework to do, and I'm I'm a big proponent of that. Of really, you know, especially now because you know the budgets for for to make music are really really tiny compared to what they used to be. So, with that in mind, you the best thing you can do is like plan things out as much as you possibly can. Um, the mistake people make is that they just you know they'll I mean I've had this where people will like 
hey, I wrote a song. I want to book studio time. It's like, okay, is the song done? Uh, no, no, but I want to book the time. It's like, wait, you want to book a band and players? And, you know, it's like, you can do that, but it's easily the most expensive way to do it. It's like, <laughs> like let's instead, let's, let's kind of take this in steps. And um, so despite the tiny budgets, you really can get a phenomenally great sounding end result, you know, if you just kind of have a plan and, and work to that, you know, it's, um, that's the biggest mistake is people just don't do the homework. They, you know, like I had some guy hire me, hire me to like remaster a song, which is a process that was done, especially like when CDs came out and they would, labels would uh, remaster their LPs for, for CD. You know, that was a big process then. And, and so I had this guy hire me to do that, but he literally hadn't finished writing the song yet. And it's like, wait a minute. So you, first of all, you need to write it. You need to record it. I need to mix it. And then I need to master it, <laughs> so, which are really big steps. <laughs> it's not just, you know, so the, 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 I feel like there should be a glossary of terms out there because it's, it's definitely the Wild West as far as that goes. How, you know, you've also worked on, I mean, we've been talking about your, your music career thus far, but, but you've also done a lot of work on films, too. Right? Yes, correct. So, uh, first of all, I was just wondering if you care to, uh, to name drop here. What are some of the, uh, the films, in addition to 20 Feet from Stardom, of course, what are some of the movies that you've worked on? Uh, there's been a lot of good ones. I mean, it's been about 30 of them. Um, there was one with uh, Tyler Perry called For Color Girls that was really great. Um, the movie Waitress with Carrie Russell that's now being turned into a Broadway play. I was there. Uh, we did that almost 10 years ago. Did the score for that um, with director Adrian Shelley. Um, that was a really great one. A lot of documentaries, um, you know, 20 Feet being one. Uh, another movie called Full Battle Rattle. That's the one that got the Emmy nod. Um, that was great. Um, yeah, I mean, just the thing I like about films is, is actually it's a very different process from from records because it's not about that, you know, three minute song and the chorus, it's about a mood and an atmosphere. So, the, so, you know, yes, the tools are the same, but the process is very, very different. Well, yeah. And, uh, you've also got to marry the, the audio with the visual too, right? I mean, yeah. because mm -hmm. the, you know, the music is another character in the, uh, in the film at that point, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the, and for those that need, you know, might not know. It's like you know. Yes, you have the songs in the in the movie, but then you have this thing called underscore, which is the, which is that atmosphere. It's you know when you know when somebody's walking down a hallway or something. And there's that tone. It's like that's composed. That's that's you know figured out ahead of time. So none of that stuff is random. So um, so that's you know that there's and there's all kinds of challenges with that. That's really that's very cool. So. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I'll uh, you know I'll cite an example by the you know the great you know Ennio Morricone who sure. you know won this year for one yeah. of the best film scores I think I've heard in ages. Right? Yeah, yeah. No, just amazing. I mean, you know, I mean, you you can imagine how different certain movies would be without the without the uh, you know the subscore like you said behind. Oh them, yeah. Right? No, it's it's it, again it sets a tone. It it, it actually it actually it actually influences your mood and how you're perceiving that scene. You know, it's, um, I mean, actually, and actually the, on the flip side of that, what I'll do with, um, some artists that aren't too experienced when it comes to like singing, you know, doing vocals on their album or something, I'll, I'll use, I'll flip it around and I'll say like, okay, you know, you're, you're singing this, but you know, you're, you need to tell me the listener, the story. 
because I say, because, you know, because like, okay, like, for example, let's say for a film, you're an actor in, in this scene and there's no dialogue, but between the, the music in the background and the look on your face, we know exactly what you're thinking. Said So in this case, we don't have that visual. So you have to, you have to take us there with the delivery of your lyrics. You have to tell that same story and give us that same emotion, but without the benefit of that visual, you know, and it's a, it's a, it's been a very effective way at like kind of, you know, stopping somebody and just being like, Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Let me take a deeper look into actually what I'm doing here because it's not, it's not just about getting on the mic and just kind of singing the way you always sing. It's like, no, we got, we kind of have to like get the microscope out here and really, Let's really, really get to like the core of what this really is. I'm going to say something to you that my wife often says to me. Uh, you sound to me like the kind of person that has a book in you. Have you ever... Oh yeah, I have like yeah, I have I have, I have the book. <laughs> have you Have you thought about writing one? I get asked that five times a day. I well, when I first started out, I actually kept journals of my sessions for like the first ten years, and um, I mean, there's a book in that, and then there's yeah, there's there's at least another three. <laughs> I mean. It's... No, it's something, yeah, it's something I, mean, I need to do for sure. Because I, 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 like I said, I, I mean, you you meet certain people. You're, I mean, you're you're a natural storyteller. I mean, this is a, yeah. Know. No, well, that's. I mean, I actually learned from natural storytellers. I mean, some of the like I used to work with a famous producer, Phil Ramone, all the time. And when you work with Phil, who you know was Billy Joel, Paul Simon, Barbara Streisand, and Liza Minnelli. I mean, just you know, Frank Sinatra. On and on and on. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. the sessions with Phil would be like the first two hours would be like story time. You know, everybody just kind of crowded around him, you know? <laughs> I, I, I can just picture myself being a yeah, fly on the so wall I, for that I, conversation. In that, That's in that sense, awesome. I learned from the best, you know, where it's like, okay, well, you know, and it, it, again, it, it sets the tone. It's like it takes you out of your, it, you know, it takes, it takes you, the artist, out of your head for a minute, which, is, is, as we always like to talk about, is the, the, the brain in the studio is your worst enemy. It's like, you know, because I always like to say, you know, for the first take, for the first take, you feel it. The second take, you think about it or think about feeling it. And it's like, ooh, there's a big difference there. <laughs> okay, I'm going to take a quick pause here, Robert, and I'm going to sure. see if I can get Genevieve on the uh, on the line. Of, okay. A fellow New Yorker, no less. So oh, cool. We'll, we'll see if I can get her here for uh, the last segment of the day. All right. Yeah, we're just trying to get Genevieve Rossi on here. Mm -hmm. a spare hey, how are you doing today? Hey, Genevieve. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, yeah can you hear me okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to put on my headphones just so I don't know why. I just like them. Okay, all right. Uh, I just wanted to let you know that uh, I've got a, a fellow New Yorker on the phone here with you, uh, Robert L. Smith, who is a, uh, a Grammy and a, an Academy Award-winning uh, music producer. And uh, these were oh, wonderful. Great to meet you. Yeah, great to meet you as well. And uh, Robert, I just wanted to introduce you to Genevieve Rossi, who is uh, famously known for, for doing her work in horror films. She's uh, prided herself on being what they call a scream queen. And uh, she's also oh, she's also joined my repeat offenders club today. These are the group of people that have done my show more than once. So. Oh, cool. Nice. So, like Ro it. Robert, my last question to you then is where can people go to learn more about your work? Uh, my website is uh, www.defyrecordings.com, which is D-E-F-Y-R-E-C-O-R-D-I-N-G-S.com. Okay, well, again, thanks a lot for, for your time today, Thank and you. I really appreciate you agreeing to come back, even though we had the, uh, I had a problem with my computer last oh, week. Oh, yeah, but, no worries. But this has been well, a lot of fun. We've all been there. All right?
Yeah, no, I'd, I'd totally do it again sometime. So if you ever have time, so. Okay, great. I, I appreciate that. Right. And, and again, right. a big thank you to Lori George for having set this up. All right. Yes, thanks so much, Lori. Great. All right. So uh, yeah, if you want to just want to drop off there, and then I'll be okay. continuing with uh, with Genevieve. All right? all right. All right. Great. All right. Thanks so much. Have a good day. All right. Thanks. Okay. Thanks. Bye. So, uh, Genevieve, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to play the Hollywood Rock and Wrap Up by Jason Hadley, and then I'm going to play a little Eagles piece, and we're going to be back to talk with you, all right? Okay, no problem. All right, so if you just hit unmute there, and then uh, we'll be back in, a, in about five minutes. Okay. It's the Hollywood Rock and Wrap Up with your host, Jason Hadley. Charlie Sheen's crying poverty, declaring he can no longer keep up with the $55,000 a month child support payments he makes to ex Denise Richards. However, if you add up all the money Sheen spent on cocaine, he'd actually be ahead by a nose. A hacker's been arrested by government agents and charged with the wave of stolen nude celebrity photos that were uploaded to the internet even though I'm sure the government's collection of celebrity nude photos is way better. Police checked in on longtime fitness guru Richard Simmons, who in the last few years has cut off most of his friends and gone into hiding. A recluse and nearly 70 years old, Simmons has been spending the time sweating to himself. Rolls-Royce won a trademark lawsuit against rapper Rolls-Royce Rizzy, who must now simply go by Royce Rizzy. The car company still remains powerless to stop the use of rolls by often shirtless and heavyset rapper Rick Ross. And that's the Hollywood Rock and Wrap Up. Follow us on Twitter at Rock and Wrap Up. I'm just queuing up the, uh, the music here. I'll be right back in just one quick second. No problem.
time favorite songs lion eyes by the eagles that song got me through a little bit of a rough patch while i was in school so i love that song it's very melodic and uh just wanted to play that one for a while uh so my last guest of the day uh batting cleanup as they say is genevieve rossi and i'm really happy to have her back she's one of the best known uh, scream queen actresses in the world she's got dozens upon dozens of um, credits to her name uh one of the people who is uh, today just joining my repeat offenders club this is a term i hold in high respect for people that have given me their time more than once uh she's a gypsy or witch a fortune teller a satanist a soldier and a good friend of this show and i'm happy to have her back uh genevieve how are you Good, good, good. Thank you so much for having me back on. So I, I, I'll jump right into this because um, you and I talked about this a few times, but I understand they, uh, they had you up in the wilds of Calgary for a little while recently, right? Exactly right. I was out there shooting uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis's Blood Mania, which is a really exciting one, and that's actually due for release later on this year. And uh, how did you, uh, I mean, the mechanics of it, I mean, have you ever been to, I know that you've been to Canada a few times, have you ever been out to Alberta before? No, no, what had happened is I actually, um, through my contacts at uh, Diabolique magazine um, and Diabolique films, I became um, friends with James Sato, who is the producer of Herschel Gordon Lewis's Blood Mania, and he was uh, very familiar with my work, especially... Uh, James Balsamo's I Spill Your Guts, and a couple other films I've done. So then I was asked to come out there and, uh, you know, take on a role in Herschel Gordon Lewis's Blood Mania. And I had always been a big fan of Herschel Gordon Lewis. Um, I especially love his film Blood Feast. And it was a real honor to go out there and be able to work with everybody. I love Canada. I love Canadians. It was a lot of fun being out in Calgary and um, getting to know uh, the whole art and um, acting community out there. Yeah, and they, they do have, uh, I mean, every province has its own flavor to it, but I, uh, fr from what I understand, Alberta is, uh, they've got a big scene out there, right? There is a pretty big acting scene, and one of the things I want to give a shout out to is that I, made, I met um, a wonderful man named Joseph Pelter and a bunch of other people, and there's a beautiful, um, uh, you know, native uh, population of actors, um, indigenous pop indigenous actors that I met, and, and we're also working on Blood Mania, and we're involved uh, with Herschel Gordon Lewis and stuff. So I met a lot of really like unique actors um, on the reservation, off the reservation. Um, they actually have a considerable acting scene out there. Um, they have a great theater groups out there. Um, Fantastic, actually. And we had, uh, let me give a shout out to David Trainer, who is the makeup artist for the TV show Fargo. He's an award winner. And he was our makeup uh, guy and special effects guy 
for Blood Mania. He is the only makeup artist to make me a little nauseous. <laughs> oh, and, and you're, you're talking about years and years of experience of, you know, having people make you look like you've been cut to hamburger, right? Oh, yeah, with him, like, he was doing, I'm not going to give away the special effect, but he was doing something really crazy to me, and it really looked so close to being real that it was, like, a little, like, off-putting, yeah. So that's a testimony to David Trainer and how phenomenal of a makeup artist he actually is. Um, he's one of the best probably in the world, and he's out in Calgary working on Fargo. Um, he was won a whole bunch of awards, and he's a huge fan of Herschel Gordon-Lewis, so it was a real honor for him to work on Blood Mania. Well, and, and it sounds to me like you've, you've wanted to work with uh, Herschel Gordon-Lewis for, for a long time, right? That, that uh, I mean, it must have been a big thrill for you to finally be able to have the opportunity to do this, right? Absolutely. I, you know, I was thrilled to come out to Calgary and to work with Herschel Gordon-Lewis. I'm a big fan of his work. It was kind of on my bucket list of things to do. Um, you know, if you're involved in B-rate horror, um, Herschel Gordon-Lewis is one of the top directors of all time. So I am super honored to come out there. Um, you know, they wrote me pretty much a part to be part of the film. Um, it, that's a huge honor that I've gotten to the point in my career where someone like Herschel Gordon-Lewis and his producer James Sato would seek me out and, without an audition and have me come out to Calgary and shoot a part in their film. You know, that's like a real, uh, wow, you know, it's, it's, it's really humbling and exciting. How, how long were you up there? Um, I ended up being out in Calgary and actually Vancouver for quite some time. I... Um, I think I was in Canada for about two months, actually. That long? Really? Okay. Yeah, so we, we did shooting, and then it was also like a vacation for me in Calgary. I spent some time sightseeing and stuff. And then I went out to Vancouver, and I spent some time with my good friend uh, Brad Laurie, who was actually uh, Michael Myers in Halloween Resurrection. Oh, okay. Cool. And he's also in Mr. Hush, and he most recently did Blackburn, with the Soska twins, so he's a really incredible guy. So we spent two weeks antiquing through Vancouver and riding around on his Harley Davidson. So, uh, <laughs> so I, I made, yeah, I combined it as kind of a vacation, um, you know, and and sightseeing and a whole experience. And then after that, I actually went out to Canada to spend some time out in Toronto with my friend Robert Nolan, who's a great Canadian actor. And I also went to Montreal and I was a guest at the Fantasia Film Festival which is like the Sundance of horror films. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm familiar with that. One of the founders is, uh, is somebody I've met a few times, uh, King Wei Chu. Is, uh, yeah, I've, uh, I've circled that, and, and believe it or not, I, I keep meaning to go, and I, I haven't been to Fantasia yet, and that's in my own backyard. I, you know. oh, oh, it was um, it was amazing. It's like two weeks of nonstop horror films, and... Um, it was like the films were amazing. It was amazing, and it was amazing, like how many people I ran into that I knew, and how many people were coming up to me and like Genevieve Rossi. I just started following you on Twitter. I know who you are, and I was like, wow. I'm like, that's really humbling that I could be in Montreal at a, at a horror festival and people actually know who I am and stuff. You know, um, you don't always realize when you're hanging out in the New York City area here and you're doing these horror movies that anyone in other countries knows who you are. It takes you back, eh? Like, you know, every, every once in a while you're kind of, like, I, I, you can even relate to it to a certain extent during this show. Like, every once in a while I'll get an email out of the blue from somebody far away and they say, yeah, I heard you and I'd like to do this. I go, really? You know, you're in Spain, you know, like, 
really? <laughs> it's yeah, it's amazing how you reach people in other countries. And thankfully, you know, with the internet and social network and all these other things, we're so much more interconnected than we've ever been before. Um, but it's still really just like amazing that, you know, you're going out to Calgary and, you know, people have heard of me there. I go out to Montreal and people know who I am. And I'm just like, you know, in other parts of the world, I get family to sometimes from Peru or Argentina and all these other places. And you're just like, wow, it's like I just, you know, hanging out in New York City here. Sometimes I just don't really get a, a sense of the scope of what it is that I'm doing and that people all over the place are actually watching it. I feel like just people like, you know, in like a you know, in the area are, are, are in tune with what I'm doing, you know? Well, I mean, I, I got I to gotta say this, but if you if you ever come back to Fantasia again, I want you to let me know ahead of time, right? And then I'll, uh, I'll definitely make the effort to go. Yeah, I, I, I'm anticipating probably going maybe every year. Um, and right now I'm writing for, I was, I was there actually as a, a horror actress and also representing Malevolent Magazine this past year. But now I'm writing actually for UK Horror Scene and Digital Dead, which are both based out of the United Kingdom. So I will most likely be going to Fantasia um, again and writing for both of those publications. And that, uh, that one, if memory serves, is in August, right? I believe so, yeah. yeah, yeah. So <laughs> right, right near the uh, Festival du Monde, uh, the, the World Film Festival. I think one of them is back-to-back with the other. There's so many here in the summertime. But uh, no, definitely, if you're going to come back, let me know and I'll make the effort to get down there. So. Yeah, I'm definitely going to try to do it if I can, at least for a couple of days, because it is a beautiful festival and I had a great time. And uh, I want to be doing more of that kind of thing. And, um, you know, it was amazing, like all the people that you meet, the films were like just so artfully done. Um, everybody was so nice. You Canadian people, wow, you, you know, you're, you're such sweeties. Yeah, it looks like Fantasia running, is running from July through August, because it is a couple weeks. So I'll probably figure out a time to come in between July and August and um, figure it out. Because it is like a few weeks long, so we'll have to figure out if we, we can make it the same um, days and then we'll, um, yeah, we'll it, hang out. Well, yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, that's that's right in my backyard, right? Like, I, I mean, I, I work in the city, too, so it's, uh, you know, definitely meaning to go. For sure. Yeah, and for me, it's only like about a six and a half hour drive. It's not and that I, bad, no. I love to drive, so no. I've driven out to Buffalo, I've driven to Toronto, Montreal, Virginia, Western Virginia. I drive all over the place. I love driving all over, you know. So for me, six and a half hours is like nothing. Well, so. for, I, I, and I gotta ask you this. Like, I, it seems to me like you know, last time you were on here, I, I said the same thing. But I'm looking. You got like. God almighty, like a dozen projects for this year already on your IMDb page? Yeah, you know, and I feel like I'm slow. You know, it's funny. but it's... <laughs> I, on, on what planet you is know. that slow? I, I mean, you know, I, I can think of, you know, a dozen people that would be, you know, clamoring to be this busy, right? I, I'm, you know, I, how, how do you juggle it all? I, well, I guess part of it is that I don't really have like a day job. Um, I mostly, my life is, uh, you know, I'm an actor. I do theater and I do film. I do some modeling and I'm a tarot card reader, but I don't have like a nine to five job. So I can kind of give myself to this pretty fully, um, you know, without really having too many distractions. And I'm really thankful to the universe, to God, to the old talented people that I work with for that, you know, of course. So I'm very focused. And I just have like this, in my mind, no matter how much I'm doing, it's never like enough. 
I always feel like I should be doing a lot more. You know, I'm a very hardworking person. I guess I'm rather ambitious, and I just feel like I want to just be doing everything I possibly can. So it's like I just, I think I went to 74 IMDb credits. I got my first one in 2012, what I Spill Your Guts, James Balsamo's film. Right, right. And I still don't feel like I really have fully realized my potential or even come close to that. Um, you know, so I, I'm, I'm always like kind of working towards it. I guess some people are content um, more easily than I am. Um, and I feel like I, there's a lot of things I want to do. Like, um, you know, in this past year, I just did a play um, called Harlots and Heresy that I was a lead in. I played Delilah of Samson Delilah. I will be doing another Alfred Hitchcock play um, coming up in May and June, which I'll be one of the leads of. So I want to do more theater in addition to the horror films. And I also directed my first short film, Attack of the Killer Chickens, which has um, been nominated for Best Screenplay and uh, Best Concept at a couple film festivals. So I'm just trying to really, like, um, I want to realize my full potential, you know. I hope that doesn't sound, I hope that doesn't sound obnoxious. <laughs> no, just, uh, like, again, I, I, every once in a while you get a soundbite that's just awesome. I, I went from... Alfred Hitchcock to Attack of the Killer Chickens in one sentence. I thought that was cool. <laughs> well, that's me. I'm all about ratings. Like, I will do, like, a wide variety of things. Like, I'll do, like, I, I directed, like, this cheesy chicken movie, but then I'll do, like, a biblical play. I was in a Christian film with Stephen Baldwin. I've been in a couple, like, uh, uh, Christian-themed kind of horror films. And then I've done some films, like, with Adam Albright and Hunters and the Sadists that probably have some pornographic scenes. Um, or, or just about, you know, I'm not afraid to go really like, you know, ultra born again Christian with my stuff. And I'm not afraid to go um, to really go... controversial. I want to kind of cover everything. I don't want to really cater to any specific segment. And I, I do horror movies, but at the same time, I think I want to do more and more theater as well because um, theater is just so much fun. And it really gives you the opportunity to kind of showcase your abilities and really just you know, just have such passion on stage, you know, and, and engage the audience in a way that we don't get to do in film. No, know? And, and you know what, like, I, I, I say this every once in a while when you guys bring this up, but I, I dig the theater, like, I love it, and, and uh, you know, to me, there, there is a high going to, to a live production like that, because you're consuming that performance in that moment of time, and you're never going to see that exactly like that again. It's not like a DVD that you can drag off your shelf and watch a dozen times over. That's it. Right. So, uh, you know, there's there's a certain intimacy that's associated with the theater, I think. And every performance is different because you're different and the audience is always different. Like we just did this play, Harlots and Heresy, in September. And we every performance, the audience reacted differently to every scene. And that affected our performance. Like sometimes they would be really like maybe a little sad during one scene and other times they'd be laughing during another scene. And that affects your performance, so every performance is, like, so unique. And everybody's maybe in a slightly different mood, has a slightly different energy. So it is, like, kind of, like, amazing. And then, like, you know, maybe somebody messes up, maybe somebody makes a little mistake, and you have to improvise, and you have to just kind of run with it. And that's kind of, like, the excitement of theater is that, like, anything can happen, and we just have to go with it, you know? Like, I remember one girl said to me, she's like, oh, my God, I'm so nervous. I think I forgot all my dialogue. So I'm like, you know what? I'm like, all you can do if that really happened is uh, say the closest thing you can and we'll all just work around you. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that happens all the time too, right? Yeah, and that's theater. And that's like the excitement of it, you know? Anything can happen at any given moment and you just have to roll with it, you know? And that's, 
That's cool. I've only got a couple of minutes left with you, but I, I wanted to squeak this question in. Have you seen Venus and Fur? No, I have not. No. Okay, because uh, my wife and I saw that about a year and a half ago, and that was one of these. It, it was just a two-person play, and if you've never heard of it, I, I strongly suggest that you investigate that because I could really easily see you in in that specifically. That was that blew my mind. That play. So. Oh, wonderful! I'll, okay, then. I'll, thank you. That inspires me. I will check that out. It, it's uh, it, it's uh, um, it's a movie about masochism without actually being about masochism. Uh, a play about that basically it's a it's a power struggle between two people and it's uh in a, an actor and a uh, a casting director and uh really really something else oh wonderful an actor and a casting director it is an interesting dynamic between directors casting directors and actors we have such an interesting relationship in how we play off each other that sounds interesting. I got to check that out. Wow. Uh, okay, so I have to wrap this up because I do have uh, Spud Goodman coming in at four o'clock, uh, Genevieve. But where can people go to learn more about your work? Well, you can check me out online. I'm going to spell my name G E N O V E V A Rossi R O S S I. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. You can look up my IMDb page. You can see my acting reel on YouTube. I have a two and an eight minute reel. You could check out some short films even that I've been in on YouTube. Some of my interviews, um, I'm there and I'm meant to be found. So if you remember at least my first name, you can Google me and I think I'm, I, I'm one of the first people that comes up under Genoveva. So G-E-N-O-V-E-V-A. Well, and Genevieve, again, thanks a lot for coming back and, and uh, being such a good sport about last week. And, and certainly if there's anything else that I can do to help you, I want you to let me know, all right? Absolutely, and I hope to see you at Fantasia. All right, great. So that's going to about do it for us today. This was a really good show. Uh, big thank you to Robert L. Smith uh, and Lori George for having set that up, to Voice for having helped me prepare with the questions, and most recently to Genevieve Rossi for coming back on the show. I'm going to be back again next week with a bunch of new guests. Uh, until then, uh, have a great week, and I'll be talking to you next Sunday. Cut, print, wrap, and I am done. Another edition of The Cutting Room Floor with your host, Casey Ryan. Follow Casey on Twitter at Cutting Room MRB and on Facebook, The Cutting Room Floor. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.